Hi, readers. I'm Jordan. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Not Another Heroine, the podcast where we break down the best and worst fictional heroines, those swashbuckling ladies who have to work a little harder than expected for their happy ending. This week, we're finishing up the first half of The Stardust Thief by Chelsea Abdullah, otherwise known as Not All Compasses Point North and Other Weird Gin Shit. Last week, we kind of ended off with Mazin, well, fake Mazin, bracelet, bangle. Not bangle. I hear no difference. (laughs) If you recall last week, we had a whole discussion on the Cincinnati bangles. It sounds the same. We are talking about the bracelet variety. (laughs) Moving on from the bracelets. Anyways, uh, yeah. So we had uh, allegedly Mazen with his cute little bracelet on. And then poof, he pulls it off and he is actually Omar. And he is asking Aisha to please go with his brother on their journey to the Sand Sea, which is the actual term for this shifting scary desert that exists in the middle of their land. Um, that the jinn exist underneath. Um, That's kind of, it was a little vague because I got the impression that there was a jinn city underneath the Sansi. Yeah. And then and, there's just jinn who chill under the Sansi. And then there's also a city not under yeah. the Sansi. It's a little vague. There's a map. I <laughs> Yeah. We highly recommend that you reference the map guide in the beginning of the book and <laughs> we did not before we started this no episode. we did not we went full send no maps required uh but anyway our little quad group of mazen who is disguised as omar and the only person who knows it's mazen, mazen not omar is aisha yeah <laughs> this is gonna get kind of loaded uh, down yeah line. so when i say mazen imagine it's mazen but like dressed up as omar <laughs> mazen is yeah so much sexy as Omar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden like develops a personality. You're like, oh, actually, uh, we'll probably get into that later. Well, no, I'm just going to talk about it now. Um, even Mazen imitating Omar has no personality. Have you? Did you oh, notice that throughout this yes. whole thing? Spot on. Because you still know it's Mazen. You're like, this isn't Omar. Omar Mazen has says scary... in his perspective, like, oh, I'm going to put on a smirk like Omar does. And it still just falls flat. Yeah, it's like. Okay, you gotta have sparky words behind the smirk, man. <laughs> I always pictured every time I read Mazen and Omar's interaction, the two brothers from uh, the new Game of Thrones, oh. the one with the bad eye and the like, yeah, poppy older brother. Yeah, so, yeah, the one that's just like running around in the city, like I don't want to be king. Um, I'm just gonna like get drunk in. The younger brother's like, I could kill you right now, and I'm heavily considering it, but somehow you're going to stay alive and be the king, and I'm kind of pissed off about it. That's Omar. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, actually. though, because Omar is the crown prince, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they call him king, don't they? Oh, I think that's a reference to Omar being the king of the 40 thieves. Oh, thank you for that. I think Aisha is the only one who calls him king. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh, does she? Hi, Your Majesty. <laughs> <laughs> that's intriguing. <laughs> Um, but yes, part of this four group is Mazen, disguised as Omar. Little caveat on that. Uh, A- Aisha, who is protecting Mazen. Because he's a dumbass. Yes, correct. And then um, Luli and her Pedro Pascal dad, Kadir. Cotter? Kadir. Kadir. Firmly established Kadir <laughs> in the previous I, episode. This mic turns on and I black out. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, but anyway, so they are setting out from Medine. <laughs> what are we going to do this with every name that comes Can up? <laughs> Kadir, Cotter, Medine, uh, Median. Like I said, the mic turns on and I black out. So they're leaving the main city, again, destined for the legendary Sansi and the lamp, which is definitely a lamp, but just a regular lamp mm-hmm. with a gin inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... The Sultan gives them this huge celebratory send-off. Um, I'm assuming he's doing this, hoping that, like, uh, tying Luli's success or failure with, like, public knowledge of her going out on this adventure will keep her from just, like, disappearing into the desert because um, 
that's what I would do. I had not considered that. I just thought Sultan was this ostentatious dick. No, I think he's like, no, see, all these people think that you're going to go like save us from the gin. Like, you can't come back here unless you do. That's whitey. <laughs> I like that. Uh-huh. That's at least what I thought. And maybe that's not what he was actually intending. But this- <laughs> that's probably more likely than my interpretation. <laughs> he's just, you know, crazy, likes to throw a party kind of guy, which I could see that. Um, but anyway, so on their way out, Lily has this kind of like nostalgic moment, um, thinking about the tavern keeper, Dahlia, in regards to the first time that like Lily went out into the desert trying to find relics. And um, they kind of have this cute interaction. And she says basically that she would, you know, sell all the relics that she found and captured for a small fortune. And then she'd split it between them and they, you know, cheer to small fortunes, which is kind of adorable. And it kind of shows that Lily is um not really out for the money it seems like she's more out for the adventure yeah yeah and she kind of seems to be looking for a family almost oh that's a really good point yeah because uh do you get mom vibes from dahlia yes but um uh maybe not well receptive like why like why would this woman who's a tavern keeper who um as we learn a little bit later is solely responsible for protecting this entrance into the underground um, market market, area, midnight market. Um, Why would she all of a sudden be willing to protect this whatever thief midnight merchant um, just because? Maybe Luli is just special special she's that kind of special. ah she's that kind we of have special. stumbled on our special heroine <laughs> that is um you can just fast forward through the rest of these episodes mm-hmm. like we have come to the conclusion <laughs> um but anyway they have this like kind of cute you know interaction i guess uh it still does not do much for our character development but that's fine um but anyways so they step off into the desert and i think it's sunset which is really the only reasonable time to set out into the desert to travel uh which when you then think about it, it makes sense they only rode on their horses for like three hours and then stopped for the night. So not a great first day of traveling. <laughs> um, but they stop at this place called the Green Oasis and um, kind of revealed, you know, that the king of the 40 thieves, which is Omar, uh, but in this case it's Mazen disguised as Omar. Confusing, but it's Omar the king, uh, who's actually a prince. (laughs) Um, He's also called the Stardust Thief, which is like a fun little tagline for the book title. Um, But disturbingly, uh, he has gained this title because gin blood shines like starlight. So it's like a silvery kind of color. And um, Abdullah writes, a killer is dressed in silver blood. And so that's why this guy is called the Stardust Thief. Uh, Kind of cool, but then immediately depressing. It's a very (laughs) dark title once you learn this point. Yeah, you're like, okay, that's kind of fucked up. Um, But Mazin, after his, you know, crazy interaction with the Shadow Jinn, is, you know, reasonably having some difficulty sleeping. He's having nightmares. And uh, he's sharing a tent with Aisha. And Aisha just kind of like haphazardly reveals that when you kill a djinn, they kind of like stick around in your nightmares for a little while and basically mildly haunt you is the impression I've got. Um, And so Mazin's like a little bit disturbed and he's like, when is that going to go away? And so he kind of takes a a wrap, a lap around. He's rapping. (laughs) Yes, I would not be surprised. Um, But no, he takes a lap around the oasis. But then when he gets back, He's like, that fire that is now in front of our tents uh, was not there before. Um, but don't worry, dear reader, or dear listener, I guess in this case. Um, when he gets closer, he realizes it's, it's just um, Kadir who kind of like materializes out of the shadows. And he's like, oh, that's kind of like spooky, but maybe I just can't see that well. And it's like, no, it's it's because he is a djinn. Um and Mazin's like, oh, that's, I'm probably just tired. But it's like, no, he's literally, again, a djinn. <laughs> um, but you haven't figured that out yet. Um, but they have this kind of like funky interaction where Kadir has uh, the compass out. And it's waving all willy-nilly. And Mazin's like, oh, you got like a broken compass there. And uh, Kadir says, not broken, just precise. So as a reader at this point, I'm like, Kadir definitely asked this compass what was up with Prince Mazin slash Omar. 
That's what I took oh, away here. Oh, shit. Like, that's why the compass was freaking out. Yeah. Because they're like, that's not Omar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Goddard's like, oh, really? That's yeah. interesting. Huh. I didn't think about that. Uh, well, anyway, this journey is immediately beleaguered by a dust storm the following day. And uh, the group is immediately separated into individuals. They did not plan right. No. So they traveled for like, what, two hours the first day. Okay, great. You wasted a whole day. And then uh, the second day, there's a sandstorm. Awesome. It's scary. Maza needed time to recuperate from his scary nightmares. Evidently. Uh, Well, he had a whole day, but a lot of other nightmare-inducing things happened during this day. (laughs) Um, So basically, the whole world is black. Um, I don't know if any of our listeners have been in a sandstorm. Um, I've seen them kind of like distantly uh, when I've been like traveling. They're scary as fuck. Like it comes in dark. Like you cannot see anything. It looks like this huge like cloud in the distance. Like you got me fucked up during this. Um, and so Asia is kind of describing it. And she's like, the whole world goes black. I can't see anything it, like stumbling around. And then all of a sudden the kind of like the dust clears for a little bit, uh, you know, a gust kind of stops. And she can't see anyone. And she's like, oh, fuck, I'm here by myself. But lo and behold, out in the dunes, off in the distance, she sees a figure that she assumes is the prince. And so she gets closer. However, um, all of a sudden, this figure materializes into her brother, her dead brother. Oh, I wonder if this is a mirage. Um, This is one of the first of our red flags there will be many. So many red flags <laughs> in this section. Yeah. So she's immediately confused and she's like, that's funky. And so she says to herself out loud, um, the dead do not speak. And uh, blah, 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 the visage materializes behind her. Um, also weird because your brother can now teleport and he's still I also really dead. just need a replay of that sound effect. <laughs> I don't think that was exactly the same at <laughs> no, all. But, still good. <laughs> um, but anyway, Aisha kind of is like, okay, that's too weird. Uh, this is probably a gym. And so she gets off her horse, which uh, mistake number right. uno. Okay, but also, why aren't they riding camels? I don't understand that because uh, camels have like special dual um, eyelids. Mm-hmm. So like they can have like one down during dust storms and stuff and then have a second down if they like need to close their eyes, but they can still see and have some kind of protection. Horses do not have that. Mm-mm. So I don't know what the fuck these horses were doing in the middle of a sandstorm besides like being blinded by sand. But poor journey planning on this part. Uh, again, yeah. So if you're like a horse trainer, please tell us if a horse would survive a sandstorm. I mean, there's Arabian horses, like horses from yeah. the Middle East, right? But again, but it, how did they survive? I don't know. Yeah, again, horse people, please let us know. let us know. We're curious. <laughs> we like camels; they're cute. Yep. Mm-hmm. But she um, gets off her horse, and again, that's mistake number one, lady. And she climbs a dune that's kind of next to her. And again, as this like big sandstorm gust comes in and the world goes black, she kind of like takes a step and all of a sudden gravity comes in. She's like, oh, fuck. And she kind of tumbles down the dune. Um, Important side note, she loses one of her scarves as she is tumbling down this dune. Um, She kind of checks in with herself when she hits the bottom and she's like, oh, shit. Okay, I lost my scarf. I'm super disoriented i have lost all of my traveling companions but i have my swords with me so at least i could kill people if i needed to um so she kind of like dusts herself off metaphorically because again still in the middle of a dust storm um but she realizes that she's going to go hunt this gin and so she literally says like so the hunt begins or something. Yeah, she's like, no, nah, man, stop fucking with me. I'm going after you. Yeah, but it's like also you're in the middle of a sandstorm and you've been separated from like literally your one sole responsibility, which was to take care of Omar's brother mm-hmm. and you love him, but you're just going to like go hunt this gin real quick. Still, we like Aisha better than the others. This is true. <laughs> Despite poor decision making here. Yeah. Um. So with that kind of lone, scary sounding sentence that Aisha leaves us with, uh, we switch to Luli's POV. And uh, we see that she kind of like immediately finds um, Kadir first uh, through his magic gin fire, however that works. Um, And he kind of leads her to a cave that he's discovered so they can hunker down until the dust storm settles. Again, Kadir saving the day every single time. Yep. 
basically because um it we soon discover that like lily can't really do she, anything she herself. doesn't do anything and not in a cute way like our previous heroine yeah no she like legit can't do anything mm -hmm. but she insists on shoving herself into rather dangerous situations by herself and pedro pascal dad kadir is like why do you keep doing this like please stop <laughs> Um, but anyway, so they're, you know, hunkered down in the cave together. And then only a moment later, the prince walks in and he kind of immediately is like, uh, where's Aisha? And Lily and Kadir assume that like, while no, she's not here. Um, you know, she's obviously a very competent woman. She's probably okay. She probably found some other, you know, cave to hide out in. And so, uh, they hunker down, they wait until the storm passes, And the next morning they set out and they're like, okay, we need to kind of find our missing thief. Um, and so they look out into the distance and Kadir spots this like dark spot out on the horizon. And they think it could be like a cave or a person. It's like pretty far out. They're not sure. And so he's like, okay, I'll just go out and see them. You guys stay here, which why would they split up if they Again, keep splitting up? It makes zero sense. This is literally like Scooby-Doo where you're like, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, but anyway, he, they don't listen to me as I'm screaming at this book. And so kind of, uh, Kadir leaves and Mazin's like, oh, I want to get a better vantage point of all of this going down. So I'm going to climb this giant hill behind me in, uh, Luli thankfully is like what the fuck are you doing but then he just continues on whatever he's doing and she's like okay well i guess i have to go with you and so they get um all the way up to this dune and they're like wow the view is amazing and like there's kadir off in the distance um and then mazen turns around and he's like uh what is that and it is the scarf covered by sand um and they are 100 percent certain that it belongs to aisha and it's like that's not good so she is not off in the distance where our... She's uh, almost certainly dead. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that is not whatever black dot out on the horizon that Kadira is trying to go after. And so Mazin has this like weird hypnotized moment where he kind of like suddenly turns to the dune wall and he's like, what the fuck is that noise? And Lily's like, are you tripping balls right now? Like that is such a spot on <laughs> description of Lily's interaction with him. She's like, what the fuck? Um, but then she kind of turned around to look at him and be like, dude, are you tripping? And he's gone. Uh, just absolutely vanished. He, okay. Point. Mm -hmm. He like manically digs through the sand. That is true. Like a mad woman. Meltdown. <laughs> mad, mad woman. woman. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be. It's Mazen. Ah. Uh, oh. As a woman, I find that offensive. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be a man. That my partner did say that we like trash talk men too much on this. What? I allegedly we come off as very like anti. -men. Everyone is competent at the things they do, except people that are incompetent. <laughs> That's a <accurate> statement. <laughs> I feel like that didn't really mean anything, but <laughs> it's a statement regardless. Uh. Yeah, so Mazen digging crazy into the wall um, and then disappears. And Lily's like, what the fuck? And so she immediately panics. Um, but she has this magic compass that can tell her exactly what direction uh, things are in if she just asks. And so she's like, hey, magic compass, uh, where the fuck is Mazen? And uh, the compass gives her the very helpful answer of just pointing directly at the wall. The wall of sand <laughs> that Mazen just disappeared into. Yeah, wall of sand, nothing there. And she's like, okay, so this is obviously some weird gin shit, TM, all in caps. Uh, she then faces a sort of dilemma. Does she go after Mazen into this weird gin shit TM? Or does she wait for Kadir to get back at some unspecified time in during which Mazen could be murdered and eaten by gin? Oh, eaten. I don't know. I added it. It <laughs> felt right. <laughs> I don't know if gin eat humans. And I'm sorry for any gin listening. <laughs> and they're like, we don't eat humans. I think they do. But regardless. Um, and so she kind of panics. And she's like, well, you know, uh, and as most heroines do, I can just handle this really quick and then pop out and <laughs> You know, no one will know I've gone. <laughs> It'll be all totally fine. This is the third time she's saved Mazen or tried to save Mazen. That's true. And it was mostly successful. So she hasn't learned her lesson yet. With whose help? 
kid ears. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From a distance though, which I also thought was interesting. And I kind of wrote that in my book in all of the action scenes so far. Um, Kadir is not there. Mm -mm. He's like off somewhere else doing something, but then like magically can help her through the sword magic or whatever. Or his lizard form. That true. Yeah. So he's there, but not there. Um, but anyway, so again, as any heroine, you know, does in these books as they're, you know, want to do, uh, she goes in after him. And then immediately we switch back to Mazen's point of view. Okay, so I guess I'm just going to interject here for a second. And the reason why Luli's so frustrating, or all of these characters are so frustrating, is we don't know why they keep doing the stupid shit that they keep doing. Mm. Like, I want to know, Luli, why do you keep saving Mazen? All we get is, oh, this seems like the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. There's no, like, internal monologue about, oh, like, oh, do I find Mazen attractive? And I've or actually in this case, Omar. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a fun twist. <laughs> right? Um, like, why is this, why are any of these characters doing what they do? Mm -hmm. I think you, we were texting about it and you said uh, it's all plot devices. It's not like character choices. Mm -hmm. It's like things happen to them and then they react. It's not them making choices and then, you know. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was uh past you making a very excellent point now <laughs> thank you past me <laughs> sometimes past me is very wise very smart mm -hmm. <laughs> um but i agree because we have no idea why she went in to no. save him because this is her perfect opportunity too now that i think about it like she just lost him she could just go pick up her bodyguard and go after the lamp for themselves yeah and, like Crazy Thief Aisha's gone. Yeah. And if she thinks Mazen is Omar, why not leave him behind? Yeah, because he's a psychopath. Yeah. Okay. We unintentionally found a plot hole. I we'll don't, just kind of skate over this. I don't know this. if this was a good, like if this was a deliberate structure on the author's part mm. to maybe set up more character development through the rest of the books. For Omar? For all of them. I could see that. Or if this was just weak character development. I don't know. I'm kind of leaning toward weak character development, but we'll see. Um, so we switch back to Mazen's point of view, and uh, we basically find out not all is good in the hood. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. He's in this, like, beautiful hallway, um, which, first of all, red flag, because why is there this beautiful hallway in the middle of, like, a dune in the middle of a desert? Um, and then he kind of looks over at this, like, weird, funky mural, which uh, turns into red flag number two. Well, actually... Probably red flag number three because the first red flag was, you know, falling through the wall. That oh, I was thought a the dune. scarf was red flag. Oh, so he's on red flag number like four or five. <laughs> Still doesn't learn. All kinds of red flags. Um, but he like looks over at this mural and it's kind of like a fun description because it's basically seven, the seven Jin kings and they're all kind of described in a different way. Um, the main thing you should probably take away from this is that it's creepy as fuck. <laughs> also, my takeaway from this specific scene, because there are there are parts in this book that I just don't remember because I didn't care enough. Mm -hmm. Like I just sorry, <laughs> vicious. I'm being a little mean. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I just skimmed a lot of this because mm -hmm. it wasn't very memorable. But yeah. this mural kind of made me think. Oh, she's describing each of the seven Jin kings who all are very different. Mm -hmm. It sounds like oh, we're going to meet all seven oh. Jin kings throughout the course of this entire adventure. Maybe not just in book one, yeah. like culminating in finding the lamp, the actual lamp in book three, but they have to get through the six other Jin Kings first. Oh shit. <sighs> yeah. But in it, the mural has some bad guys. Yeah. Bad guys. That's it. That's, bad all, guy. that's all you need to take away. <laughs> <laughs> the first bad guy of interest has a gold circlet of skulls. Just remember that and you'll be fine. Um, the hallway. So this is another red flag hmm. for our, small basket of you know growing red flags um the hallway is weirdly quiet and mazen is like literally repeating to himself out loud like don't panic you're gonna be fine don't panic you're gonna be fine and it's like you are not going to be fine um but you know thankfully uh he sees his mom oh mom's back <laughs> his mom dead mom is back his dead mom Obvious, another red flag. There we mm. go. Another one. Immediately, another one. DJ Khaled voice. You were looking at me with blankness. No, I, I'm i just a little in shock. You, went there. <laughs> you have to. You can't say another one without being like, another one. Oh, my God. Another one. Stop 
yeah. So we hit our 87th red flag of the novel. Um, so he kind of immediately starts following her, which again, like another red flag. And she starts singing this like super creepy song that he doesn't recognize. But we as the readers, uh, we kind of vaguely do. And so the song kind of goes, the stars, they burn the night. Um, in hindsight, that doesn't really make sense. But uh, the stars, they burn the night and guide the sheik's way. And it's kind of, you know, vaguely on the tip of your tongue of like where this comes from. And if you're one of those people that like really reads books, you're probably like, Katie, like obviously it comes from this portion. But I only vaguely remembered what this was from. And it will become clear later. Um, possibly in one to two seconds. Uh, <laughs> so his mother, you know, the creepy dead one that is, you know, a little ominous. Like, why is she in this palace? Never his <laughs> imagined that this dead mom figure is creepy in any way. It's yeah. just mom. Um, And so he does have this like little kind of thought where he's like, wait a second, I'm in my half brother's body. How does she know it's me? And then he's like, oh, but it's, <laughs> it's okay. And then just kind of ignores yet another red flag and he just kind of goes about his business. And so um, his mom is walking him into a throne room of sorts that we later find uh, belongs to the Queen of the Dunes. And that's where that song came from, too, is about the Queen of the Dunes, who, again, in a second, we'll find out, like, who is that, Katie? Um, so he gets to the throne room and again, he's only kind of like mildly, very distantly aware that the ground is completely covered in bones and it's like, again, red flag. <laughs> this is the second time Mazen has been led astray by a female djinn. No oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Is he just like overly susceptible to their power or is he just an idiot? I think he's just an idiot. <laughs> That's my default ah. to Mazen. <laughs> Yikes. Um, and so he's like a little bit concerned that there's obviously like a thousand bones on the ground, but he's like, oh, that's fine. Like my dead mom's here. It's all good. Um, and so he kind of looks into this throne room and on the dais in the middle of the room is a, like a freaky gold circlet of sorts. And that's weird uh, because did we just talk about a mural that what? had no. a gin no foreshadowing there with a gold circlet of freaky bones? Hmm. Weird. Funny how that comes about. Interesting. But he does not have any kind of red flags <laughs> at this moment. <laughs> he's obviously colorblind. Um, and he's like, okay, uh, so if I just possess this circlet, you know, all of a sudden, this, you know, realization, if I just have this circlet, uh, all of my dreams will come true. Um, and so he steps up and he grabs the circlet and we're back to Luli's POV. Oh, this is exhausting. It's really fucking exhausting this whole scene which could have been really interesting and exciting yeah i just wanted to skip through yeah i was kind of confused too because um if you're listening and you've read the book uh it's this whole chapter chunk um is kind of questioning reality the whole time. Like they have a lot of points where they're like, are we in an actual hallway? Or are we in this like beautiful hallway? Or are we in this like decrepit hallway? And then they even have a moment where like, are we in reality? Or are we in like an this actual is palace? after they walk through a wall of sand. Yeah. And so it's really confusing as the reader too. Cause mm -hmm. you're like, I actually don't know like what kind of like laws of physics apply right now. So I could not tell you where they are. And if that weren't confusing enough, the character, like the perspective. Shifting, yeah. Because mm -hmm. they're all now in the hall. Yes. Yeah. Because um, Luli falls into the same hallway. And um, basically, you know, because she's Luli Al-Nazari relic hunter, um, she understands that this whole thing is like really shady. And so she sees the mural and she's like, okay, there's a red flag. Um, and she's like, it's a little too quiet. There's another red flag. Um, but then she sees her dad and she's like, not a red flag. <laughs> uh, despite the fact that this man is dead. and has Maybe <laughs> she and Mazen are meant for each other. Evidently, because they just go running after, you know, dead family members without a care in the world um, in a land where Jin tried to kill people. Mm. Uh, anyway. <laughs> And again, she's like, okay, that's like kind of weird that my like dead dog's in this hallway. Um, but he's singing a song. And so everything is going to be fine. 
Oh, I just remembered. Mm -hmm. There's something that we should maybe brought up earlier. Mm. So there's gin. There's mm -hmm. like normal gin, super oh. powerful gin, and then there's ghouls. Yes. Yeah. And ghouls are an entirely different animal. It's like a monster kind of freaky thing. Yeah, like like a step up from ghosts. Yeah. Uh, corporeal ghosts. Is mm -hmm. that how you say that word? I don't want to attempt to say that word. Uh, that was my attempt, and you're not going to get another one. Yep. <laughs> touchable ghosts. Yep. <laughs> tangible. Yeah, tangible ghosts. Okay. Tangible, touchable That's the ghosts. word I know how to say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's ghouls, and there's gin. This will come up momentarily. Um, so she's kind of like, you know, I'm going to trust this guy, my dead dad, who's singing in this weird random hallway um, that's probably, you know, infested with gin. It's going to be fine um, until she sees another mosaic. And interestingly, this mosaic has a bunch of like drowning, fucked up sailors. And they're all reaching for this woman off in the distance with white skin, black eyes, and a circlet of golden bones. Interesting. Oh. Another circlet? Another circlet. It's almost as if it's the same circlet, and that is the bad guy you're about to face. Like, I've played a video game or two. Like, I know how this works. <sighs> so much resentment <laughs> built up, Katie. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, but in that moment, she's kind of, like, looking at this mural, and she's like, oh, that's weird. And so she goes to touch it, and she's like, wow, it's so cold. And she's like, it's cold, but the iron magic-resistant cuffs on my hands are burning hot and that normally happens when there's like gin magic afoot oh shit that's not my dead dad that's a you know some kind of crazy gin magic thing going on is that a no don't say it's a red flag <laughs> <laughs> it was in fact a red flag <laughs> um and so she kind of like breaks out of the trance or like breaks out of the enchantment of the gin magic and the room goes black and like something tries to grab her and she kind of like swings out her crazy elbow and she's like, oh, my God, this is scary. And she's like running around and flailing. Um, but then she kind of like crashes into like someone else in this like tangle of limbs and arms and hair and I'm assuming like knives at some point, too. But then, oh, shit, it's Asia. But it's like actually Asia, mm -hmm. not like um, dead ghoul Asia. They have um, a whole little interaction trying to confirm that. The other one is real. <laughs> it's like, are you in fact here? <laughs> Can I stab yes. you just to be sure? <laughs> yeah. Well, that happens later. Uh, we'll get to that. Um, but anyway, uh, they're kind of like freaking out. Like, oh, my God, are you real? And then Aisha throws a dagger. And you're like, oh, fuck, she's going to die. Um, but instead, it hits a freaky monster like right behind Luli. And we're like, oh, shit. Um, and that was the figure that was her father. But then we find out it was a ghoul the whole time. And so I feel like at this point is when Lily and Aisha kind of realize, like, there's all kinds of fucked up shit happening. Like, where's Mazen? We need to get the fuck out. Like, GTFO. Um, they kind of come to that realization. But then they're like, how do we get to Mazen? Because um, he's, like, lost off somewhere. How do we find our lost man child again? <laughs> <laughs> they need to put that man on a leash. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Uh-oh, we're hating that men again. Oh, Akko. <laughs> I mean, it would happen with women sometimes, but we're normally the ones like holding only the in a target children. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're like, how the fuck do we find him? And then Luli kind of has this like weird thing. And she's like, oh, we should like hum the song that like all these freaky things are saying. And like, I was just like, girl, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, but she does it. And then like, ahoy, it works. Because uh, this ahoy. is the toy. <laughs> That's what you choose to go with. I don't know. We're in the twilight zone. Like nothing is real, uh, both literally and metaphorically, I think. <laughs> um, but anyway, they walk in between um, the real world and not the real world. And you can tell probably as a listener that I'm failing to explain this in a, a great way because I too am failing to understand how this all works. <laughs> Uh, it feels like there's magic, but there's also not magic in they're in a palace of sorts. Um, but anyway, you just kind of black out for a second and then all of a sudden you're in the throne room. Woohoo. And there's Mazen uh, about to grab the circlet. And then cut scene where you have like a slight intermission where we finally hear what the actual tale of the Queen of the Dunes. And again, this is like the whole like parchmenty, you know, breakaway story where it's uh, in a like storyteller point of view 
And so uh, basically what happens in this story, and it's hard because I feel like there was more characterization. I this. always <laughs> want to know more about the characters in these little short stories yes. than the actual characters. Yep, in they're, the that says a lot that they're more engaging in these like four page little tidbits. Which than they says are. a lot about how good the writing is. And yeah. It's just a, yep. it's a just plot structure, characterization thing. Something. But um Essentially, the story starts that there is this slave, uh, Naji, who escapes her master and kind of finds herself in the middle of the desert. And she's like, oh, fuck. Like, what am I going to do? But then she kind of stumbles upon this wondrous, amazing palace just kind of in the middle of the desert. And inside, there's this, like, especially beautiful woman sitting on a beautiful throne. And um, the woman is like, hey, if you put on this golden circlet, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Um, you'll all of a sudden be able to, you know, have all of this power and you can have whatever your heart desires. And she's like, oh shit, really? Okay. And so she pops it on and she's like immediately filled with all this crazy, horrible power. And she's like, I want to get motherfucking revenge, which fair. I had a I, hell yeah, mama. So like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You put that I'm like, on. Yep. You absolutely killed that man. And so she does, she goes out into the desert. Uh, she finds her master uh, who's, you know, surrounded by soldiers trying to hunt her down. And uh, basically fucking kills all of them, except horrifically, they all come back is her undead army. And she's like, this is super fucked up. Like, I don't know how I feel about this. And then, you know, from inside her brain, the queen of the dunes is like, <laughs> sucks. I am now going to possess your body and I'm going to like take over all of the surrounding cities with my giant undead army. Um, I got all kinds of like, cool vibes i know this. <laughs> this is a cool story like this is supposed to be the villain like the boss that they're battling but yeah it's like but i i like her more than you <laughs> very much so yeah so basically uh the queen kind of takes over naji's body and kind of shoves naji's consciousness into like a far corner and she's like anyways i'm finally free i'm gonna do whatever the fuck my heart desires and you're like girl i kind of feel that um except we have this guy um muna kid Oh, God. Moonakid. Moonakid. Moonakid? It does not sound as good when I say it. Yeah. I. Uh, I Mooney. Oh. <laughs> We're just going to go with that because otherwise I'm going to butcher this poor man's name. And he's kind of like the hero in this little short novel. So Mooney. Um, he's like, okay, I've had enough of this psychoticness and this woman who keeps killing people and then bringing them back as zombies, which... Again, fair. That is a completely honest assessment. And so he's like, I'm going to go to the palace. I'm going to gain her trust. And I'm going to try to figure a way to get us out of this. And so he does. And then he has this little moment where he's like, oh, my God, your body is so beautiful. Like, what inspired you? And she's like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, you know, possessing this human person as like my vassal on Earth. And like, that's how I'm doing all Which this shit. Which is dumb. Like, that is a I dumb know. admission. Like, why don't you just say, oh, thank you. I, you know, I was born this way. <laughs> Especially because she like bamboozled the Naji into just giving her body. But then all of a sudden this man comes in and you can't like pull it together for a moment. And so, obviously, our man Mooney is like, bingo, that's how I killed this woman. And so, he slips into her room that night, which, again, if you're some, like, kind of, like, crazy gin uh, ifrit, ifrit mm -hmm. um, so, like, gin king, you're telling me, like, you can't realize when someone sneaks into your room that you are not expecting. She's blinded by his flattery. Uh, which fair. To be I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, there it is. <laughs> Understand. Um, and so he kind of sneaks into her room and snatches the circlet off of her neck. And immediately, Naji kind of like comes back into her body. She's unpossessed. And he snags her and he's like, we got to go. And so they go hang out in a cave until this like sandstorm hits. Um, it clears away. And then, you know, they have successfully evaded the Queen of the Dunes. Okay. Like you, like you said earlier, this could have been its own novel. Yeah. Like Naji's story is super cool. It's fun. Because again, in this like, four pages or something i had more character description like okay cool we got this like downtrodden slave who's like no fuck my master i'm gonna like fuck this dude up and this lady's like sure but it'll come at a price and then it's like okay yeah that's like reasonable like and go fuck him up 
Mooney. Maybe Mooney's like this long lost love that yeah. like where did where did my friend Naji go? And he hunts her down, then realizes, oh, it's the Dune Queen. Let's yep. fuck this bitch up. Yep. And then you can even have some like spin-off series where like Naji's kind of pissed off because she's like, Yeah, I was being possessed, but at least I was like powerful because you know I spent my whole life as a slave. And Mooney's like, You're kind of fucking psychotic. And then they have some kind of like enemies to lovers moment. Done. Chelsea Abdullah, that's book two and book three. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, um, let me trigger my spooky voice. And there, the circlet waits in this, you know, deserted. I dune. am finding it hard to be scared <laughs> of your spooky voice. I'll try to make it more spooky, but I think it's just going to get more it's... stupid. <laughs> um, but anyway, the circlet is awaiting in this scary palace in the dunes for, you know, the next hundred years for its next victim, uh, who is Mazin. <laughs> Unsurprising. Because, like, as he's about to put it on, he's like, you know what? Um, this whole thing is, like, a little sus. And I'm feeling kind of pressured to put this on. And, like, I'm kind of concerned about that. And the circle is like, no, what are you talking about? Just, like, put us on. Like, nothing bad's going to happen. And he's like, no, I am going to throw this on the ground. And then, uh, basically, it triggers some kind of, like, freaky rampage of ghouls and then like our man Mazen cannot swing a sword cannot he's fight. never done it before no so you can imagine that this is like uh not going well until Lily and Aisha like pop up it's like okay they have come to save the day uh and save this man from himself and from ghouls um and so they kind of have some like hero shit except all of a sudden you know, Luli spots the golden circlet on the ground and she kind of like becomes entranced. And then uh, Mazen's like, that's not good because she's going to save me. And so he tries to stop her and the two get into like a little kerfuffle. Um, just a slight kerfuffle in the uh, middle of a ghoul-laden <laughs> palace. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Um, and it's not going well until uh, Mazen decides to stab her in the hand, which I would be so fucking mad um, and that kind of like continues on for the next little bit of the book that she like her hand is fucked up because hand injuries are mm. a big deal. Like all those little teeny tendons and like muscles and shit. They do not grow back easily. No, they don't. Uh, but thankfully, she has a bodyguard who is a gin and his blood possesses. Oh, is he going to come properties. and save her again? Yes, he does. Uh, both in that instance and also because he like inhibits her like blade and then fucks up all of the ghouls with the fire magic in something to that effect. Uh, anyways, uh, they defeat all the ghouls. Aisha pops up and she's like, okay, I'm gonna grab this circlet and then bro, like we gotta dip out. And so they sprint out of there is like the whole place is crumbling around them. Um, weirdly, Aisha is like totally unperturbed by this circlet that keeps like trying to possess people. I think that's a good <laughs> thing to remember for probably later on. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, because Aisha is unfazed. She's like, this is a motherfucking like gold ass circlet. Why are you guys freaking out? And just shoves it in a bag. Maybe she's immune happens. to relics. That would be fun. Mm -hmm. I was just assuming it was like her like crazy personality of like. I have enough power as it is. I don't need to stupid <laughs> yeah. circlet. Yeah. But also that she's so like no nonsense. She's mm. like circlet, shut the fuck up. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Actually, yeah. If Aisha is just as badass as the queen of the dunes. That would be a crazy power couple though. If she's like, no, fuck it. I'm going to be That'd crazy be kind of for a while. power couple though. Uh, yeah. Okay. You heard it here first. We ship. <laughs> We're getting wild tangent, but we ship Aisha with the queen of the dunes. Yep. Sounds good to us. <laughs> uh, checks out. Anyways, um, the place is crumbling around them. Lily's bleeding out of her hand. Uh, but then, all of a sudden, Lily wakes up in Dimey. Dime? Dime? I feel like it needs one of those, like... There's, like, an extra, like, half a vowel. Dime? Dime? No, I think that's very wrong. Uh-oh. Dimey. I think Dimey's wrong, too. Dime. We'll just go with Dime. Dime. Yep. <laughs> so, Lily wakes up in Dime. And uh, thankfully, it's basically like Kadir uh, roasting the shit out of her. Like, hey, uh, why do you keep running away from me and getting into danger? And then I have to save you. Um, it has not gone well so far. Any of the times this <laughs> has happened. Literally zero of the times. So can you please stop? And 
but then he's like immediately like, but I'm also kind of like softy dad uh, vibes going on. And he's like, give me your motherfucking hand. And he cuts himself open and like heals her. As I talked about earlier. Uh, except he kind of explains to her that the like freaky gin that they um, interacted with was this like ifrit, the highest class of gin that are, you know, the gin kings. Um, and it's like, that's why everything was so fucked up for, you know, a little bit. Um, but remember that because they still have this golden circlet in their possession. Also, something that kind of confused me until I referenced back, it's not. Kadir is very specific to say that, oh, you guys are wrong with your human names for our kind. Like, oh. like Jin King is not correct. It's Ifrit. Mm-hmm. And that could be man or woman. Mm-hmm. I do like that because it, it they keep calling it a Jin King, but this woman is the queen of the dunes. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm all about like women being called king because like fuck the male connotation behind that again we're getting all like male haiti we're not um, not trying to do that we (laughs) promise uh but also like let's be grammatically correct about whatever the gin like to call themselves Mm -hmm. um all about you know that kind of like representation uh anyways though (laughs) moving moving forward yeah so he gives her this little kind of like history lesson um but the next day we um get Kadir looking at this little note and uh Lily is like hey what is that and then he's like oh it's just you know a little note from this guy named Ahmed bin Walid remember Ahmed from the Ahmed the Ahmed mentioned twice in our you know part one of this book mm-hmm. finally arrives yes and uh she immediately gets all like weird tm like you know the like ew i don't know like what to say in response to that like i don't like this guy and he's like you're literally blushing and smiling and she's like no i'm not and then runs away uh but then later that day obviously because the note was an invitation to uh the wally's palace and the wally is ahmed bin walid wally meaning like governor yes I think so, because mm-hmm. it's someone under the sultan, but it's someone appointed by mm-hmm. the sultan, I think is how that works. Um, And so it's like, okay, like we have finally arrived at our romance, potentially. I certainly hope not. I agree with that statement because I hope not as well. Um, They get to the Wally's palace, Ahmed's palace, and we get another delightful, and I'm like being sarcastic when I say delightful, uh, description of these like fucked up haunted woods, like uh, palace courtyards that they have um, that are all like beautiful and green, but that literally all comes from spilled gin blood, which is fucked up if you're just walking through it uh but to make it more fucked up and freaky uh he has a bunch of like statues of Jin being murdered in various like poses and um that is not great (laughs) just a refresher um the the whole planet world thing would be a barren wasteland without the blood of the Jin creating this Mm. these little oasis that's how all of these cities pop Mm -hmm. basically yes and uh also interesting that it's only rich people that have access to these Mm. little rich uh green areas uh anyway uh but as we kind of like start to connect the dots we realize that luli's apparent little fling you know love interest is a gin hunter that's inconvenient considering kadir's status uh as a gin Mm -hmm. yes that is interesting is it yeah, so enter in the mixed emotions, and she's like, I don't know how I feel about you. Um, and also enter in Ahmed, uh, and he's kind of immediately seeking some sort of answer to some sort of question that he asked her earlier off page. And, uh, you know, the author hasn't really, like, said what this, like, question is, but you get all kinds of, like, immediate, like, that's suspicious mm-hmm. like what kind of question is he asking you as a man to like is this woman? a do you want to be one of my 10 girlfriends or do you want to be my wife kind of question yeah yeah uh we see, soon find out you know like what it is um but they sit down for some food and wine and uh i do i will admit uh we have this like really cute interaction in the book right here um where like there's a servant that is pouring everyone in their little group wine um, but Ahmed stops him like right before he goes to pour wine into Lily's cup. And he has like 
what I'm imagining is this like suave, sexy, like, let me serve you myself tonight. That's a quote. That's not me just saying mm. that. Um, and it's like, okay, so it makes sense that, you know, despite Luli having this, uh, you know, basically family member that it is a gin, she's like, but this guy is hot. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is her general impression. Like, yeah. because we never really get any more insight other than, oh, Ahmed, sweet Ahmed. Mm -hmm. It's, it sounds like it's like an infatuation because Ahmed is a good looking dude. I could see that because she never reveals why exactly she likes Ahmed. Mm -mm. Like, uh, there is never any kind of like internal monologue about what exactly they f see in each other, which again, kind of like points to infatu infatuation, but like, you gotta have something for us as the readers to just kind of skip over to the latch fact onto, that, yeah, yeah, to just skip over the fact that he's like a gin hunter and your best friend is a gin. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, and remember who she's traveling with? Supposedly, Omar is also a gin hunter, like king of gin hunters. Yeah. So you got some hurdles to you know clear, and uh, they are not being cleared right now. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Um, Ahmed kind of like steps away after this like cute little interaction or whatever to go see to his other guests because um, he's still a Wally. And Lily is immediately all business and she's like, hey, so you know that like golden circlet that we found in that like weird palace? Um, I kind of think you should hand it over to me uh, because we all recognize here that it is very sketchy and super weird. Um, and I kind of need to like hold on to it because I don't know what y'all are going to do with it. And I just like, no. And that's it. <laughs> and so, End of story. Uh, yeah. And then Ahmed kind of comes back and he gets everyone to stand up and dance. And Mazen and Aisha use this as an excellent opportunity to GTFO. And so uh, we get another opportunity for Luli and Ahmed to kind of like interact and have a bunch of, you know, little like nerve wracking touches and whispers while they're dancing. Until, There's no good tension in here. No. Like I it feels stressed out when I was reading it like you know um and I don't think this is a like experience unique to women um but those people who are too aggressive uh when they're like hitting on you and it's like I feel uncomfortable but I don't want to blatantly turn you down because I'm like stressed out in like danger obviously mm -hmm. um that's how i felt reading this and i know that luli is like kind of into ahmed so there's probably not that like scary vibe but when i was reading this i'm like he is being kind of forceful very about pushy. his yeah very pushy and it's also here that we um see that ahmed asked luli to marry him and Again, it's like that's kind of sketchy because like he's your first pushy. answer should have been no. Like your <laughs> your close family member who saved your life is multiple a times. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. At the beginning, when her whole family was murdered, and then continually through their adventures. Um, and so she's kind of like struggling with this question, obviously, because on the one hand, her best friend is a gin, and then on the other hand, like I guess he's hot. Uh, <laughs> and. But she's kind of torn because she's like, if I say yes, I'm betraying my best friend and I don't know what that means for us. But then if I say no, it kind of like ends his interest in me because it puts a definite like we are not together. So mm -hmm. she wants to kind of continue to live in this gray zone basically. Um, and so she kind of like kind of shoves him off a little bit, but then at the end, Ahmed is like, oh my God, your hand, like what happened? Like you should tell me about it tonight when we like catch up and talk. Um, and I imagine he kind of does like an eyebrow wiggle. Um, books love to use that term <laughs> and I still do not know what an eyebrow wiggle is. Is I it like a one eyebrow like that? Or uh, I never... If, like connected if, the in case dots. you're curious, I just wiggled my eyebrow. At <laughs> <laughs> but it was more of like a single eyebrow raise. Is that an eyebrow wiggle? That is an eyebrow wave. raise. Raise, raise. Yeah. And then she's lifting one I'm, eyebrow. And then you can. <laughs> <laughs> she just tried to move the other eyebrow. <laughs> Maybe that's an eyebrow wiggle. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Wiggle's probably not the right word, though. Yeah. But, you know, unclear if there's any kind of like eyebrow wiggle. But uh, I'm basically just being snooty about the fact that he's obviously asking her to like hook up. Come back to my place. I got. <laughs> <laughs> and she kind of like panics and she's like, eh, not tonight. And then dips out. 
And uh, that sounds vaguely familiar to our girl Mel uh, from our last book. Yeah, the whole panic mode. <laughs> I'm just going to panic and leave. Because mm -hmm. uh, Mel does that like 15 times. Um, but it's more endearing when she does it. Than Except Lily. I think in Mel in the situation, there wouldn't even been a consideration of Ahmed. Like, oh, no, yeah. you kill my people? Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> she's. Yeah. This isn't a Mel like love fest, but mm -hmm. it kind of is because she's very like aggressive about her views. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say willful, but <laughs> <laughs> thanks for bringing us back. I'm to still that. bitter about that. Uh, anyway, back to Luli. Um, back to Luli. So <laughs> bitter. I'm just a little sad. Uh, but it is kind of like refreshing though, because the next day we get this kind of like interaction between Mazen and Ahmed and Mazen kind of observes that he doesn't, he's like never liked Ahmed. He says that he, um, is a person that smiles too much and it's all kind of sus. And he's kind of like very hesitant when he's talking to Ahmed, but remember Ahmed thinks that Mazen is Omar. Mm -hmm. And so Omar and Ahmed are like buddy, buddy, you know, they kill Jin, they, talk about their conquests um but ahmed is kind of having this like sus moment where he's like um i kind of imagine uh little red riding hood where she's like oh you're like teeth are so pointy grandma <laughs> that's perfect because <laughs> like ahmed is like oh that's a flashy cuff like that's kind of odd like you're not really into gaudy jewelry and mazin's like starts to sweat and he's like uh no this is just like you know some like family bling like totally normal and Ahmed's like oh how strange um you know I thought that the only jewelry you used to like to wear is you know the ring or earring that your mom got you but that seems to be missing mm -hmm. and strange. yet you're wearing a bangle yeah bangles <laughs> <laughs> and so Mazin's like really sweating at this point and he's like oh my god hey look what I found and he pulls out the circlet which what <laughs> I am at a loss for words. That this was a good idea. I am going to show this man that I am. I'm rubbing my face. If you are wondering, um, I am going to show this man. I'm mildly suspicious of this circlet, which almost possessed me, and then also almost possessed Luli. And I have like vague inklings belongs to the Queen of the Dunes. Who, like, I love stories, so I know that that was, like, a bad gal. Um, but I'm just going to show it to this guy and be okay with that. Again, Mazen is an idiot. Yeah. And so he kind of, like, tosses it over, and Ahmed's like, wow, this is, like, crazy. But then he kind of, like, switches the topic back to Luli, and he's like, um, oh, Luli is like a candle in the night. Which I don't think I know what that means. She's the one source of light and joy in a field of darkness. Mm. Interesting. Um, I gagged <laughs> a little when I when I said that. Yeah, uh, that's how he meant it, though. I imagine he said it like that. You know what I mean? Um, very like smarmy, mm. sleazy kind of. Um, but Mazin has a very similar like reaction uh, that I did, and he's like, "What the fuck?" Uh, she's just mad all the time really don't understand the appeal that you're talking about. And then he kind of makes this like snippy comment um, when Ahmed's like, oh, like we're a match made in heaven. You know, we belong together. And Mazen's like, uh, Lily is a wanderer. And like the only thing she's married to is the desert, my man. This is Mazen's one point of clarity. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, oh, I was about to say something very inappropriate, but um, he has some kind of clarity. <laughs> and uh Mazen is like, okay, like we're not going to continue fighting, you know, and he kind of stands up to go. And then Ahmed is like, oh, before you leave, uh, just remember that tonight we have that whole like party thing with all of the other thieves that are just going to happen to like be here. They use, um, sorry to interrupt. No, yeah. They use thieves and gin hunters interchangeably. Yeah, that's a good point. Thieves because they're stealing gin treasures, I maybe? Think, yeah, maybe. Something to that effect. But um, yeah, Ahmed's like, hey, Omar, who is Mazen, uh, you got to come to this party. You can like talk up all of your conquests, all the shit that you've been doing on this like wild trek from the Sultan. And then uh, Mazen fucks up, basically. And he's like, oh, you don't say, uh, you know, if I if I have the time, I'll be there. And Ahmed immediately is like, what? <laughs> Omar would never miss an opportunity to uh, brag 
that is strange. Um, and then Mazen's like, okay, like, bye, I gotta go. And GTFOs. And that is where we are going to stop. Um, Mazen yeah. scooting out of the door, like, oh no, I'm almost about to be caught by this man that I think smiles too much. Yes. End yeah. scene. That's a, I think it's a good stopping point. I, uh, Mazen had a so good too. point. Uh, Ahmed is smarmy. Uh, I love that word, smarmy. smarmy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ahmed is smarmy. Mazen is a baby. Stick around for part three, where yes. hopefully things go up from here. We don't know. I hope so. Like, we just don't know what's going to happen yet. No. So we're keeping our fingers crossed that things improve. Maybe yes. we get some more insight into Luli's character. Potentially. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So from our shelf to yours. We'll see you on the next page. Hi, readers. If you'd like to help us pick our next book, send us a message on Instagram. Or if you'd like to just listen, we post new episodes every Monday on Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Music. Thanks for listening.